1: Sports Station, presented by Bet Rivers
2: Sportsbook. Good Saturday morning, Chicago. Welcome inside the clubhouse right here at 6'7", the score. I'm David Haw, along with Bruce Levine, broadcasting live for the Hyundai Score Studios, our last show before opening day for the Cubs and the White Sox, weather permitting. <laughs> and Rick Hahn yeah. says, you know what, Bruce, the offseason, it won't end until that first pitch. We will see, and that's a good place to start after A very busy, significant news day for the White Sox. And, you know, the Cubs had some headlines as well. But, boy, the blockbuster was the White Sox trade. How are you doing this morning?
3: I'm doing great, David. And uh, I'm excited about the start of the season. Cubs open up on Thursday. The White Sox on Friday in Detroit. Cubs at home in Wrigley Field against the Brewers. I'm back home after uh, three weeks in the desert uh, looking at both teams every day and, uh, We will uh, give our ideas about what we feel the Cubs and White Sox are all about later in the show. We want to hear from you, your thoughts on the Cubs and the White Sox, your predictions, your concerns at 312-644-6767. That's our text and our phone line. And, David, uh, no place better to start than with the Chicago White Sox.
2: Absolutely true because they are the team that enters this season like they did last season but only with the maybe – more emphasis on the World Series or bust mentality. This is a World Series contender. That's what I think. I think that's what you feel. What do you think out there? Are the White Sox built to win a World Series? And then on the north side, are the Cubs, are they going to be competitive enough to contend in the National League Central? Everything is about expectations. They're different on both sides of town. Let us know what you think in terms of how both of your teams, your favorite teams in Chicago will help meet those expectations. And, Bruce, this trade on Friday was about those expectations. The White Sox make the deal that people had been waiting for. Craig Kimbrel goes to the Dodgers, gets a chance to close, gets the ninth inning back, if you will, goes to a contender, and the White Sox get A.J. Pollock in return. And that was a piece, I think, it fits in right field, the way people had been clamoring for. Adam Hazley wasn't going to be the trade that satisfied a lot of people. Rick Hahn goes out, makes a move, makes the White Sox better.
3: No doubt about it, David. And, uh, you know, when you're getting Pollock, you're getting a a guy that just played on a world championship team two years ago, a guy that's a veteran, a guy that can play uh, successfully in left and center. He really hasn't played much right field, but uh, Tony LaRusso, who will be joining us at the top of the 10 o'clock hour live from Arizona, uh, talked about uh, yesterday the fact that uh, he's a good athlete. He knows him well from his time in Arizona with him and uh, he has no no worries about him filling in at right field until Vaughn is back to uh, be a part of the mix uh, when he comes off of the I.L. sometime in the first week or two of the regular season.
2: Bruce, he's a right-handed hitter. He's a, somebody who has been injured throughout his career. He's a veteran, but in 2016, I think it was, he, he was an all-star and, and also a, a gold glover. This is somebody that fits out in right field if he is the guy they choose to to play as the regular every day right fielder. I think the White Sox now have the the luxury of depth, maybe that they didn't have before. But still, if you were to pencil in your opening day lineup, Friday in Detroit is AJ Pollock in it.
3: Uh yes, yes he is. He would be uh, he would be my left fielder. I would I, I would actually I would have uh, mm-hmm. Eloy Jimenez as my DH on opening day.
0: Eloy so, doesn't uh, like that,
3: Bruce. I know. I know he doesn't like it. But you know what? Um, I'm all about putting the best team out there every day, okay? So when you talk about—I'm not saying Eloy should DH every day. I think it's a position that can be moved around. But uh, I like the idea of Pollock on defense in left field. I like the idea uh, of um, certainly Roberts, one of the best players in baseball in center field. And for opening day, I would prefer either Sheets or Engel in right field. Uh, I I would not be putting Pollock in a new position that he hasn't played very much uh, to start out the season. I'd like to give him some time playing all three outfield positions and have him segue in there instead of just going that way. But again, that's me uh, that we'll find out from Tony La at 10 o'clock if that's him going forward.
2: Looking forward to that conversation. Also, Nico Horner, bottom of the hour, Cubs shortstop, who likely will be the everyday shortstop beginning on Thursday. Uh, Bruce, before we move on, I wonder—it's impossible to predict. We're gonna—we're gonna predict the season later anyway. But when you look at right field for the White Sox, I don't hate your idea of starting him on opening day in left field. I don't know if Aloy is—is going to be happy being the DH full time or most of the time. If you were to guess right now, today, who's going to play the most games in right field for the White Sox in 2022, who would it be?
3: I, I still say it's Vaughn. Uh, I really like Vaughn a lot. Uh, I think he's um, a guy that they feel is going to hit and hit for a lot of power and uh, be a 300-type pitcher or hitter, rather. So, from that perspective, uh, I, I, like, I like Vaughn out there. but. They have a, a, a nice mix of guys now. I, I think the depth that uh, Pollock brings is really essential because of the fact that, uh, you know, once in a while, even if you want to take Robert out of the lineup, you have an experienced center fielder, uh, both in him and Angle, uh, that can go in there. Uh, Angle, a very underrated player on the Chicago White Sox because of his defensive skills. So he, um, his need is to stay healthy. He had. Hamstring and leg issues last year that uh, kept him out intermittently. But David, I, I really like the depth here uh, of this team. I really, I really like it. I, if there if there's anything that I'm a little shaky about, it's the uh, it's the fourth and fifth starter for the Chicago White Sox. That I agree with that, that in one area. How
2: active, yeah, Rick Hahn will be. The Sean Mania rumors remain rampant. Uh, maybe that's overstating it. Maybe that's wishful thinking. But, Bruce, when you look at their pitching, they need to bolster, I think, the starting rotation. And also, you know, the other big news yesterday was they took a blow to the bullpen. Garrett Crochet, the young lefty, is going to undergo, undergo Tommy John surgery, and he will be out the entire season. He Rick Hahn said optimistically he would be back next year in 2023. How big of a loss will that be? I look at that, Bruce, and I wonder if that could be almost losing Crochet as significant as adding Pollock only because you're, you you have a guy in crochet a lefty hard throwing you know young pitcher in the bullpen who is not able who, who's going to replace him Pollock makes you deeper and better but boy the loss of crochet I hope that doesn't hurt the Sox any more than we fear
3: yeah and I, I'm with you that's a that's a big arm from the left side and uh you know, that leaves an awful lot of territory for Aaron Bummer to cover uh, at the back end of that bullpen. There there's there's some innings that you know, look, here here was the plan all along. With Michael Kopek hopefully going forward into the starting rotation, okay, you you were going to give crochet the role that Kopek had. And that was about seventy innings last year of mostly two innings, some one, and then Sprinkled in like three or four starts. Okay, so it's it's really an intelligent way, uh, puristically, of look at 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 uh, player development for a young pitcher. Okay, David, and in player development, you look at Crochet uh, just like you looked at Kopech last year. We're going to keep him in the bullpen. He's going to throw 70 innings. We're going to spot start him and prepare him for 2023 as a starting pitcher in our bullpen, uh, nice plan. Uh, then all of a sudden injuries get in the way. So those are important innings that crochet is not going to be throwing for the white Sox, And uh, I'm, I'm concerned about it, but uh, you know, again, uh, there, there is some depth in the rotation. Although uh, the Kopech innings right now, uh, I'm a little concerned with that. He's a little behind right now. Uh, he's not hurt but they've been watching his innings and uh, it's going to see how it's all. We'll we'll see how it all shakes down. The White Sox have a lot of good problems, David, because they they have a very loaded roster that should compete for a world series.
2: They, They should. I think Bruce, the Sox fans look at it as they felt similarly last year. And then you get through the season and you're on cruise control and you get to the playoffs and it wasn't good enough. And I think they want to playoff proof this team, earlier you know sooner rather than later and i just wonder uh because you look at the rotation and we are taking such a critical eye i mean look i'm with rakan you go to if you go to opening day with these 28 you feel very good about your team but if you're being critical and you're trying to have higher standards world series or bust i do wonder about that starting rotation and relying on michael kopech to the degree that they're going to have to at the current given the current mix Bring us up to date, what you expect, what you have heard about the Sean Mania talks. Other teams obviously involved for the A's lefty. Are they going to keep him going into the season, or do you expect to trade before opening day?
3: I just don't know if they have the right matchup for Oakland, who's looking for young stud players, guys that are top 50, 45 players, uh, young players, in baseball, you know, by MLB Pipeline and our good friend Jim Callis. Those are the type of players they're going to be looking for. I don't know if the White Sox have those at the bottom right now. Uh, the matchup, you know, I think they can match up with some of the guys that are uh, around right now that, you know, the guys like, um, you know, Lampert and, uh, you know, people like that that can be thrown into a, a, a mix. But I'm not quite sure uh, where they stand on, on getting Manaya who is going to get an awful lot of play from a lot of teams, including uh, what we're hearing is the Boston Red Sox who are trying to make this a priority as well.
2: We have a couple other notes to get to before we get back to the phone lines and and hear from Ron in the South side and Jack in Hillside, but Bruce, the Sox and Lucas Giolito avoided arbitration. This was welcome news, maybe minor, but it may be significant in a different way, agreeing to a one year, $7.45 million deal on Friday, Those negotiations included a one-on-one with Giolito and Jerry Reinsdorf. What was your reaction to them avoiding a problem because of the way it sort of had taken on a contentious tone given Giolito's comments earlier in the week? I thought it was
3: refreshing to hear uh, and and shows you the passion uh, of Jerry Reinsdorf that he wanted to go over and talk to Giolito and show him, look, you're an important player here. We've offered you a long-term contract. We've shown you some love. Um, We want to um, make you a part of this franchise for a long time, but, uh, you know, uh, give us a break here. You know, uh, you know, don't call us out for $50,000. You know, that that's not where it's at. I mean, we're, we're hoping to be together for a long time. And to Giolito's credit, he's the one that said he instigated the initial contact with the White Sox and Jerry and, um, I, I think it's uh, it's great that uh, they're all on the same page because I, I can't think of a more important pitcher for the Chicago White Sox than Lucas Giolito. He, he, Tony setter? He, yeah. Yeah.
2: Absolutely true. He's the true. face
3: of the pitching staff. I mean, yeah. Dylan Cease may pass him as far as ability goes, but uh, from what he brings right now, he's the ace of the staff. I know Tony hasn't named his starter yet, whether it's Giolito or Lynn doesn't really matter much to me. I think Giolito will probably get it, but uh, Lynn probably earned it more last year. Regardless, after the first two games, you know, it's Cease, it's uh, Keiko, it's, um, you know, Kopech. uh, Then you you have Vince Velasquez and you have Lopez, who are um, viable six and sevens uh, waiting around. And, you know, you're going to see those two guys either start or be piggybacked in uh, some games beginning the first month of the season?
2: Yeah, Cease may have better stuff, and, and certainly Lance Lynn, you respect his style and approach, but the substance of everything the White Sox want to be and represent, it, you see every outing from Lucas Giolito. He is the ace, and I'm glad they got that cleared up because it was a bad look, and now it's uh, it's, it's removed uh, from from anybody's mind before the season starts on Friday, and that's a good thing. Last last item for the White Sox, Bruce. What did you think of Adam Hazley? He'll start the season in uh, Charlotte at Triple A, but the Phillies' former eighth overall draft pick, he had started Opening Day for the Phillies a year ago, comes to the Sox as a death piece. He is a good glove guy, also a left-handed bat.
3: Yeah, and you make a great point, David. The left-handed bat is something that they really want. I mean, look, um, if if there's any weakness uh, on the on the White Sox, it's do they have enough left-handed hitting? Do they have enough left-handed pop? How often will Sheets get into a game? Okay, uh, you know, uh, can, you, can you rest uh, Grandal enough at DH to get the optimum amount of offense from him because of that big, bad... Yeah, he's a switch hitter, but from the left side, uh, he's a very potent hitter. Um, do we see a lot less of Grandal as a starting catcher and a lot more of him as an important offensive piece from the DH spot. So those are the things you look at, but it does give them depth, and, and, and I like him. Uh, the White Sox had good reports on him before they traded for him, so uh, it brings some extra depth there to their outfield as well.
2: Don't want to neglect the big Cub news on Friday. wasn't good news. Wade Miley, the lefty that they got from the Reds in the offseason, shut down for 10 days with le- left elbow soreness after an MRI show some inflammation. We'll talk about the Cubs, Nico Horner, bottom of the hour. But we've got to get to the phone calls. And there's a lot of Sox thoughts out there. And the score listener line is powered by BetQL. Bet smarter, beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. And that's where we find Jack, who is in Hillside. Jack, welcome inside the clubhouse.
4: Uh, good morning, gentlemen. Uh, I want to let you know I do uh, agree with Bruce uh, about A.J. Pollock uh, coming in here to the White Sox. He's going to become uh, – or I actually I agree with – The fact that Andrew Vaughn is going to get the bulk of the right field playing time, which makes Pollock essentially an upgrade over Adam Engel as your fourth outfielder. This gets back to what do they keep all that outfield depth? I still think their biggest fear is if Grandel goes down or he can't play enough. Therefore, and I told you this last week, they should go get Wilson Contreras. He'll take the load off Grandel, who will become more of a DH and your number two catcher. The Cubs would get can get two Gavin Sheets and now they can get an everyday center fielder and Adam Engel. Why aren't you more concerned that the Sox are really vulnerable with Grandal at DH? And I love him. I love him as a DH slash catcher, not the other way around. Well, Thanks, you know Jack. it's
3: a great call, Jack and and David. He's right. Uh, as teams start to pare down here and uh, send people back to the minor leagues over the next three or four or five days. I think the, the White Sox will be p- picking up some catching depth. I think they mm. need it. Uh, you know, I don't think Zavala is your answer as a starting catcher every day. If something does happen to Grandal, uh, you're gonna you have Collins who was sent back to Triple uh, A already. He's been uh, sent back to uh, Charlotte. So from all of that, uh, you know, he'll catch there every day, and he has a, a presence uh, having caught a lot for the White Sox last year, but. I really think that that type of depth is needed for the Chicago White Sox.
2: Offseason's not over until opening day. Rick Hahn told us that yesterday, so maybe a move is in the offing. And, Bruce, I just know this. The last time the White Sox added a veteran named A.J. in the off-season, good things happened and followed. <laughs> so don't forget that. Let's go to Ron on the south side. Good morning, Ron. Hey, good morning, guys. Look here,
5: uh, two points. Bruce, I agree with you 100% about uh, Eloy there. The Sox are a better team if he is DH. Um, the thought of him in left and 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 bond in in right last year very very troubling. And see, when you think of outfield defense, it's not just getting to the ball. A lot of times uh, the outfielders go to the wrong base, miss the cutoff man, and so my other point is about pitching. And relative pitching, you have to have a good defense out there. It helps your pitching. So, uh, I was having a conversation with someone yesterday, Bruce, What you just mentioned. I don't think that the White Sox have uh, the prospects that open uh, unless you maybe you're looking at Cespedes or somebody that they probably don't want to give up because the names that I was hearing before was Vaughn and um, Croce. Those are players that I'm sure the Sox are not willing to give up, but they're going to have to probably make a tough decision because they do need an, another pitcher. Lastly, guys, with Dylan Cease, yeah, Dylan Cease made some improvement last year, but if you look at his record against teams doing over 500, he really struggled. He did well against some pretty bad teams. So that's it. They, so the White Sox need another strong pitcher like a number three so they're going they have a dilemma because i don't see them having the prospects and oakland is going to want
2: a top prospect thanks guys great call ron bruce does getting pollock make the Sox more likely to deal one of their right field candidates for a pitcher that they need in the rotation
3: yeah but uh you know angle's not a match for uh, oakland okay they're they're not looking for a guy that uh they're looking for someone that contract control will be six or seven years so they're looking for younger players that don't have that experience like that. Uh, not to diminish uh, what Angle does, I think he's a very good outfielder, and he improved dramatically over the last couple of years offensively. But uh, he, he's a, he's still an important defensive player on this team. You, you're go, you're going to see Tony LaRussa turning to him and to Pollock uh, later in games, you know, to fortify a two to one or. Or a tie game you know you don't want to take him and his bat out of the lineup uh, because he can hit that home run or drive in that run late but you also want to protect those uh those wins and uh Tony La Russa is a master at it
2: he's Bruce Levine I'm David Hall we are talking baseball right here until 11 o'clock are the White Sox built to win a World Series this year can the Cubs be competitive enough to contend in the National League Central. We will continue to talk about that. Let us know what you think 312 644 67 But when we come back, the Cubs everyday shortstop Nico Horner joins us next Chicago Sports Radio 670 the score. Here comes the 1-1 to Horner. A swing and a drive to left, deep. It's got a chance. It's gone. Three-run homer, Nico Horner. Cubs lead 13 to 1. And that's how you fix
4: the bean ball. You hit one out of the yard and watch the pitcher's ERA go soaring.
2: Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, Bruce Line and David Haw. here until 11 o'clock. Thanks to the score, Pat and Ron. That sounds nice. Calling a Nico Horner home run from last season. Looking forward to talking to the Cubs shortstop here shortly. Bruce, the Cubs are still uh, engaged is that the right or wrong word to are they are they still involved in any trade conversations for Wilson Contreras I saw a report overnight from the Athletic about the Padres shopping Eric Hosmer to the Mets uh maybe to address the Mets pitching need with Jacob DeGrom's bad news what do you think the latest is with Wilson Contreras and the Padres
3: well I, I don't I don't know if they have a matchup right now for Wilson Contreras uh, I think that uh they are uh, they're they're pretty pretty hell bent on, on getting rid of some uh, payroll over there with San Diego right now, and uh, they would like to, uh, for lack of a better term, dump Hosmer and uh, a significant amount of money, sixty million dollars owed over the next three years, uh, and uh, and add some flexibility to to bring on some other people there. uh, we're, uh you know when you when you look at Contreras. Um, he, he's an important part of the development of the Cubs pitching staff. So if you look at this year as a team that's going to very much try and be very competitive in the Central and also uh, building toward the future, uh, a veteran catcher like him and Gomes are, are very important as far as that de- development goes. Uh, I, I'm, I'm up in the air as to whether Contreras is going to be traded now or uh, sometime in August, or sometime in July before the trading deadline.
2: Bruce, I mentioned the Wade Miley news yesterday, him being shut down for 10 days at least. How big of a blow is that to the rotation? We made a lot of when the Cubs got him from the Reds and penciled into that number three spot behind Marcus Stroman and Kyle Hendricks.
3: Yeah, I mean, it, it's a big deal. I, I don't expect to see Miley for a number of weeks here. Uh, he hadn't built up to, to any real pitch count uh, because he was – was dealing with coming back from something in his uh, shoulder area, okay, uh, it, from last year. He had told me that he had something in the clavicle area uh, attached to his neck that uh, gave him some problems at the end of last year. So they were kind of slow rolling him getting started this year. That said, uh, he went out and he he had his first, uh, you know, sizable start. You know, not a lot of not a lot of pitches, but went out and threw a, a strong uh session against hitters and then came up with uh this elbow situation so i would say counting on him these first two to three weeks of the uh season not very likely
2: we saw suzuki homer this week in his first hit as a cub he had struck out five of his first eight at bats we have seen some things round into form with some of the position battles Bruce, but I think that uh, everything will be about that pitching rotation early on and the defense behind those pitchers, which involves our next guest. The everyday shortstop for the Chicago Cubs is Nico Horner, and he joins us on the guest hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sportsbook. Good morning, Nico. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, how's it going, guys? Thanks for having me. It's going well. Well, back here in Chicago, though, as, as you know from spending the winter here, uh, the weather is not agreeing with us, so hopefully by opening day that will change. How has your spring gone overall, and where do you think you are uh, in terms of uh, get, being ready for the season to begin Thursday?
6: Yeah, I mean, obviously very happy just that we have a, a full season. You know, just a couple weeks ago that was very much in doubt. Um, but i uh, really happy with where I'm at, especially with my body, just especially coming off last year, missing games. Um, knowing I've made a big improvement. And the the staff here really did an amazing job coming off of three months of no communication and uh, being able to kind of hit the ground running with us and have our programs ready and everything. And uh, that made made life a lot easier.
3: You know, uh, Nico, uh, seeing you in spring training, both uh, in the clubhouse and on the field, there's this uh, quiet confidence that, that you have. I think you've had it from the very beginning in 2019, when you came up and, and came up and played awesome shortstop when Baez got hurt at the end of that year, but uh, now after coming back from from injuries last year, there, there's just a sense that I get that uh, you know you feel you know you're ready and that uh, the only challenge is you know going out there and winning with your team.
6: Yeah, I mean you know you look at the last couple of years and hardly anyone's had just like a fully normal year, you know, but those are not. Uh, not years wasted at all, and there's a lot, lots to learn in those times. And you know, I've been lucky with the teammates I've had around me through that time, and learning from people that have have done it before me. So, yeah, I feel I feel very much ready for the season. It's a, it's been a short spring, but you know, just any concerns I have for the league as a whole is more on a health wise. I think guys are going to be ready to play, and uh, obviously, you just want to see everyone healthy through a full season.
2: Nico, I've read about this, but I want to ask you directly: Where did your relationship with Nick Madrigal begin, how far back does it go? And even though you were kids, maybe when you met and, and played around together uh, on the same fields, does that translate now to help improve your rapport with the guy who is your double play partner? Yeah, Nick, Nick and I
6: played, so he's from Sacramento. I'm from Oakland, about an hour and a half apart. And I think we first met when we were 11, we went to North Carolina for like a showcase type thing and then end up playing uh, uh, for USA baseball when we were 14 and 15 together and then from then on we're mainly across the field from each other but our our careers have been like strangely parallel from playing in the Pac-12 to being at the same levels in the minor leagues to to debuting basically at the same time and in the same city and then obviously being on the same team now so just someone I've always had a ton of respect for but like I said mainly someone who I was playing against a lot of the time so been really great to get to know him better as a person and um, definitely as a, a comfort level playing with someone that
3: you've seen play a lot
6: and just looking to build on that relationship
3: more. You're listening to Inside the Clubhouse and the voice of Nico Horner. We're here for you every week, talking baseball, 52 weeks out of the year. And uh, Nico, I go back to uh, when uh, Jason McLeod drafted you, and uh, he told me, he said, here, we have a young man that can hit, flat-out hit, and he can play second or short. And I, I project, and this is, this is him at the time when you were drafted, that uh, Nico is eventually going to hit for power. Not necessarily 40 or 50 home runs, but 15 to 30 home runs, we think uh, you know, just by the strength that we project for him, he's going to be a home run hitter. Where are you at offensively? Where do you look at a comment like that? And uh, how do you project yourself as far as your game offensively?
6: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not going to throw a, a you know a home run number out there or anything, but um, trusting that over time with with more at bats and seeing pitches multiple times and uh, being healthy for an extended stretch, like that's that's something that that comes with um, not necessarily changes in your swing, but just learning learning the game, learning when to take chances, um, and you know, there's there's no really way of predicting that, but knowing that is something that's. Um, a part of my daily work it's something that's you know i know is a part of my value in the future and um could happen next week could happen in two months but it's the kind of thing that i, I know will show up eventually and just
2: stick into it i got a kick out of learning that you had stayed in chicago in, in the off season nico yeah. during the lockout we're working out on on the north side and when people say that you can do some damage in the batting order i don't know that you meant to take it literally but one day you hit a ball and it, it, bro- it broke a sprinkler at the Bradley Fieldhouse and and all hell broke loose it sounds like
6: yeah we had a good group of guys working out there this off season but, yeah, I yeah hit a ball just through the net and uh, it burst a pipe and <laughs> sounded like a sprinkler at first but then I mean, it flooded the whole place and we had to clear out it smelled terrible um, so uh, other than that it was a very smooth off season but that was, a, that was definitely a scene
3: Nico, when you look at uh, your team uh, this year, uh, there seems to be tremendous opportunity for a lot of people to step up their game. And there seems to be a lot of talent. But, uh, you know, obviously fans and media are skeptics. Uh, They're not sure where it's at. How do you look at, uh, you know, the the mix that you have in spring training and the ability uh, for fans and people like ourselves to project what the Cubs are in 2022?
6: Right, yeah. I mean, I think people, you know, we all. you always want to project. You always want to try and understand ahead of time. But I think there's definitely a, an excitement in, in the un- unknown as well um, because there's a lot of people on this team where you don't know what it's going to look like over, over 500 bats. And there's a lot of positive in that unknown as well. And I think the, there's very healthy sense of urgency among among the group, whether it's guys who are, you know, older and trying to continue what they've done before or guys that have had – a solid year or two and trying to establish themselves. There's a, there's a really healthy mix of that around. And I think that's something that just makes showing up to the field every day that much more exciting and something you can feed off on the people around you. And not just, not to mention just, just good people in general. I think you can never take that for granted. I think the Cubs have always done a a good job of having quality people around.
2: Nico, I think when people refer to you as a super utility guy, it's meant as a compliment, but I could see how you might not take it that way. Your versatility is a blessing, maybe sometimes viewed as a curse, because you can move around in so many different positions. I just wondered, as this offseason evolved, and you know, you you know, you're paying attention. The Cubs are linked to a free agent shortstops here and there. How do you view yourself, and what is your best role on this Cubs team moving forward?
6: Yeah, I mean, it's cliche, but it really does come down to winning. So you know, when the, you're never going to see be upset with the Cubs signing a player that's going to give us a better chance to win no matter where that is and um, I think it's we're at a time in baseball where you know there's definitely comfort that comes with playing the same place every day and knowing we're going to be in the lineup but that's just not realistic for that many players you know you got you got superstars playing all over the place and so I think any kind of stigma uh, attached to utility players and isn't, isn't so much of a thing anymore and um, you know it's, it's not a hard sell for me to be told I'm playing different positions uh, for the Cubs in the major leagues. You know, that's a, it's a pretty awesome place to be. All
3: right. So let's forget about baseball for a minute. What does Nico Horner do for fun when you're uh, at home or you're going out? What, what exactly is uh, uh, the way you kill time, even though I know you've been busy preparing, lifting, hitting, uh, but you know, all work and no play, not, not a good way to go.
2: When you're not yeah, cleaning not, up, mopped, I, I, uh, uh, mopping up gymnasiums that you flooded. <laughs> <laughs>
6: right, right. Uh, I mean, I grew up in California, so I definitely spent a lot of time outside in nature, whether it's in the mountains or beach or whatever that may be. And, you know, my off season, when I get the time, I'm definitely getting out to, to beautiful places like that. Um, but in Chicago, I, I just really love exploring that city. And especially in off season when there's, you know, I don't have a schedule as much and just getting to know it on foot, walking around, obviously eating a lot of great food. You know, it's endless in the city, as you guys know. Um, that's really been an awesome experience to get to new, get to know a new city as a young person, and super grateful that I'm
3: in a city like Chicago, where that's really exciting. Can you go unrecognized still, and still you and your girlfriend enjoy the city without uh, the autograph thing and the hey, how are the oh, yeah. Cubs going to be? Yeah, yeah, I'm not a not an issue
6: at all. <laughs>
2: Well, enjoy the anonymity now, Nico. It may not last long if you have the kind of year a lot of people expect you to have and the kind of future people certainly know you're capable of having. Best of luck this season. Really appreciate you jumping on the phone this morning, and, and we'll see you when you get back to Chicago.
6: Yeah, I really appreciate it, guys. Have a good one.
3: Take Nico care. Warner. Thanks, Nico.
2: Cubs everyday shortstop, Bruce. Bright young man, really committed, has has worked on his body, so he's as physically fit as you would want to be heading into a season. Big expectations for Nico Horner. Do you think he is the Cubs' everyday shortstop to the extent where he plays more than 120 games there? Uh,
3: if he, if you tell me he's going to be physically okay, uh, I would say he is. I, I would say, um, you know, I did a story on him uh, for 670discord.com last week. And in it, he said, flat out, I'm here to win the shortstop job. I'm the shortstop. Right. And he, he's not a – free. you know, we, we know Anderson uh, Simmons is – Uh, been brought in as a backup. He's going to start the year on the DL, uh, IL rather. Um, He's got a shoulder issue. Uh, It's clear that it's Horner's to win, okay? They have a lot of good young shortstops in the system that'll be coming over the next couple years. But uh, Horner is uh, free to go and win this job. If he ends up years from now, two or three years from now, being the next Ben Zobrist, uh, moving from position to position, that that'll be fine. But I think uh, I think it's him and Madrigal up the middle. Uh, that's their hope for 140 to 150 games
2: this year. There are worse things to be than uh, compared to a former World Series MVP. Yeah, I hope you're you're right, and, and I'm looking forward to see him develop as that everyday shortstop. How many games will the White Sox win? We will tell you next. Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 The score. We worn out the last couple of days with something I said about. It. And I keep seeing headlines where I'm rude, rude to the White Sox fans. I mean, that's so much What I said was, we're going to win with what we got here. And when I say if somebody is saying that we need help, they're not White Sox fans because they don't know. They're out there trying to make us spend money. We shouldn't make or make it disrupt what we got here. Now, my question to you is, from day one to now, have I ever been disrespectful to the White Sox fans?
4: Haven't I bragged about who they are? I mean, the support we got, I've never... So, I mean, for somebody to take what I said to mean like I'm demeaning a White Sox fan, that's got to be corrected.
1: We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, a Radio.com sports station presented by Bent
2: Rivers Sportsbook. Welcome back Inside the Clubhouse. Bruce Levine, David Haw until 11 o'clock. That was Tony LaRusso, Bruce, talking the other day clarifying his comments on Sox fans who have high expectations, and they should. Sox fans should have high expectations. We'll ask Tony about that directly when we have him at the top of the hour in a few minutes. Predictions for 2022, Bruce. How many games will the White Sox win in their quest to meet those high expectations? What say you? Uh,
3: Can I – the the caveat is uh, 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 injuries aside, of course, Yeah. 95 wins for the Chicago White Sox. Uh, I, I think that wins the division. I think it gets them uh, close to being the, the top team in the American League. I think the Toronto Blue Jays, the Seattle Mariners are going to have something to say about uh, who is the best team in the American League this year. Um, I, I, I just truly believe that uh, the, uh, the White Sox are going to be right there. Uh, if, they, if they make that move for another starting pitcher, I'll be a, I'll be a little bit more uh, confident knowing that they have some, some more depth in the rotation.
2: Let me say this. If they get another starting pitcher, if they make the trade for Sean Manaya, and they stay healthy, and those are two big ifs because you assume those things and I think the Sox can win more than 95 games. I think that they're going to be a 97-98 win team if those things happen because they're that good, they're that deep, and they're that dangerous, especially in the bullpen, especially – if you have Robert and Jimenez for 150 games. Goodness sakes. But Bruce, I think we can count on them being a little bit banged up. I don't know if Rick gonna move as quickly uh, to get a starter before the trade deadline. So I will say they're better than last year. And last year they finished 93 and 69. They will be 94 and 68. And I think that's relatively conservative. They will win the division. They will get into the ALCS and I have the White Sox winning the ALCS. I think they can do that if those things that we just talked about happen, and they have good health and great pitching.
3: Yeah, I'm I'm with you, David. Again, uh, the story to the major league season for 2023 is: Can rotations in baseball survive April? Okay, can they build up the proper innings? Can they can it not get so wonky that people are going down? Uh, left and right by uh, pitching in different weather and traveling the 162 games. Can they get through April? April is a huge month for everybody, in particular the White Sox, who had a rotation that was beaten up and tired at the end of 2021 and need uh, to be able to protect and yet at the same time compete uh, in 2022.
2: Do you have a White Sox MVP? Do you have a White Sox most surprising oh, yeah, player?
3: That's easy. That's easy. The MVP is it? Is it? The MVP of the White Sox and of the league is going to be Lewis Robert. Okay.
2: Ooh, of the league too?
3: Of the league, he's going to be the best player in baseball this year. Okay. And and I don't I don't have I don't have really too many qualms in saying it. I just I just believe in his talent. I, he hasn't played a lot of games. So he's only played 124 major league games. But from the from his approach and from his ability, uh, I think the sky is the limit for Luis Robert. And remember, what you were going to say is there's probably five guys on the team that people yes. could pick as an MVP yes. candidate. Uh, that is not that that's going to do nothing but help all those players be better with all the protection that they have in that lineup, where guys cannot be pitched around.
2: They could split the vote. I love Abreu. I love Tim Anderson. I think Robert's a great choice if he stays healthy. I'm going with Aloy. Aloy Jimenez, with 145 games or more, is going to have lights out statistics, and he is going to be the most valuable player. Playing the majority games in left field, Bruce, I think we're going to talk about this moving forward, maybe not just as a DH. And one of the biggest surprises, I think, could be Gavin Sheets. I think Gavin Sheets, left-handed bat that they don't have, they're going to find his, the need for him to be in the lineup more often than not because they lack a left-handed power bat, and he's going to supply the power from the left side. So all but optimism here, uh, anything but optimism here, and I think that uh, it's a lot of fun to look forward and predict these things. But now we have to go on because we have to talk to Tony Larusa, so we can break, so we can have enough time to talk to him about our optimistic predictions to see what he thinks the white Sox manager joins us next on inside the clubhouse chicago sports radio 670 the score
0: (sighs) spring is a time of renewal so why not refresh your home with a little help from blinds.com we make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact choose from premium blinds shades and shutters we even have options for your patio too